Did you did you get a contact from Joe? I don't know if there's a secret and we're not supposed to talk about it. Is that he's working on a video? Yeah, about the specifics around the around the video. I did, yeah, I did get a uh, contact. I didn't realize it was a secret. I'm glad I didn't do it. I almost added a little thing at the end of the video I just put out. I almost put a thing at the end of my video saying like, "Hey, check out he's going to be making fun soon." You know, kind of hype it up. Hype it up. I mean, Joe, will get his own high if you don't need me, but I just, I'm excited for so it. So did he, he took you to Google Translate? He didn't, but he told me about it, yeah. So you, you saw that? Did you do it? I didn't do it, no. Okay, I believe so him. he called me up and I, I, I fucking did it, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, okay, so you're taking COVID, and you put that in English to Hebrew, and you go to the Hebrew, and it, says, it spells out Kuf Vav Beit Yud which is sounded out is Kobe. So if you take the, what COVID equals when you put it into Hebrew and you put it back into English, into from Hebrew to English, it's going to say K O B E. And so he's looking at the, uh, what happened with, uh, Kobe Bryant's death right after LeBron James took the title. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. The King took the crown and now the king dies. And it, but the thing that got me is I didn't remember that he died with his daughter. Uh-huh. You know what the daughter's the name bow is? The is, is golden. Like it's the Dude, kid. do you know what his daughter's name is? What? Gigi. No way. 77? Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Right? <laughs> yeah. Well, and then here's the thing. I mean, I don't know if you remember. I made um, a video a year ago. And I don't mean this is like... Uh, Anything other than if it feels significant to me is uh, Zion Williamson. I made a video about him. Do you remember this? Uh, his shoe breaks while he's playing. So he it's his literally it's his first like yes. five fucking minutes in the NBA. Yeah, that was a sync quick news. And, he, and his shoe breaks and he hurts his ankle and then he's out again for months. So then he finally plays again. Uh and it's right right around when Kobe dies. It's like the week before Kobe dies. And I just feel like there's something there's something there in this sort of like weird all this language around like who's the king, who's the heir apparent, who's the Right, but it's it's it, they've they've changed the so you're looking at not just every it's not everything in rever- reverse, it's everything moved over. So the Arcana are taking different placements. So, like, for example, like when you when you look at the the mirror of the of the upper arcana with the lower and in the trumps, you when you do Crowley's rearrangement, you have the star. You know how the star is pouring the vessel of Aquarius, you know, with the emanated flow, right? And so she's in this Saudi star rearrangement. She, so the Empress is facing her when she should be facing the Emperor, like, and that relates to the to the letter Saudi itself which is uh, taken in the Zohar to be two faces looking at each other. And they say in the Zohar that the, that the faces have turned away. And it's like, what? And it's supposed to be this hugely significant thing. And I always found it so esoteric and weird until I looked at the tarot arcana. Because you can see when you say Saudi is not the star, well, what is it then? And you say the emperor. So when you move the emperor over to, you know, it's, we've gone over this before, but it's the, you, you connect him to the tower so he so Saudi is the fish hook, Pei is the tower, which is mouth. 
So you have the fish hook from Phoenician, Chaldean, whatever roots connects to the mouth of the tower. So it's the emperor and the tower. And then when you do that, you end up with what is Samael as the death card, the only unnamed arcana in the tarot deck, uh, going at this diagonal with the star. Now, the Klippo rule the Kabbalistic tree, the lower worlds, through the diagonal pathways, which there, which there are 12 of. And the 13th is technically Gimel, even though it's not diagonal. So that's the Masonic G, right? Because it's connecting uh, Keter, Chochmah, and Bina to Tiferet, Gevorah, Chesed of the lower worlds. So that's the square in the compass. And then the G of Gimel connects them, right? And so, uh, and that's a paradox, because it, when you want to do that 777, lightning flash through the tree, you have to have a diagonal to go from Bina to Chesed. Uh, but in order to do that, you'd have to have, there is no diagonal there. There's just that vertical and those are dimensions, right? And so the the diagonal that's created in the twist, when you move the letters over, that creates this relationship. So, you know, the death card in Crowley's deck has that spiral that comes from the the skeleton you know you have the skeleton skeleton's with, penis yeah, yeah 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 so that spiral that goes up meets the flow from the vessel coming out a diagonal from the star so the star is lilith the death card is fucking samael and you have them basically so it's the stone that the builders rejected and when you do that arrangement you end up with uh the sun flanking it on one side which is Raish, uh, uh opposite uh leo which uh, lust or, or strength, which is Oz, right? So you have the Crowley 666, right? It just means little sunshine. You can just call, call it means sunshine. You can just call me little sunshine. You have in, you know, in the formation, you, you basically have uh, this, the, the replacement stone, which is what the, you know, the Scarlet Woman and the Beast, their, their counterparts, Samael and Lilith, are basically the, the cornerstone of the arrangement meeting with the sun so sun you know leo rules the sun so it just works out in this fucking bizarre way i've just been completely fixated on it for fucking years i want to make a video on that uh but i would recommend just laying those cards out and looking at what fucking goes on back and forth between them it's it's bizarre dude did you have you made the connection yet that um covid19 what is the uh 19th trump the sun the sun, so it's like the crown of the sun, the corona, the fucking like sun king. Yes. It's yeah. Like, uh, and then you were just saying fucking, uh, we saying uh, Horus, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the right and left eye of of uh, Horus is Osiris and Thoth, isn't that how that works? Thoth is an eye of. In, he, well, yeah, yeah. I think there's there one text that has he's that. The moon. He's, the moon, yes. He's so the moon have, eye, yeah. And the sun, and then you have the Thoth is the language. Right, and then you have so it's that's very much like right and left hemisphere. But there's something else there. Um, uh, I think the moon eye is a feminine eye. It's um, let's say it's like uh, what are you looking for? Ma'at? Uh, no, I I'm trying to remember. I actually did a synchronize. Where I went into this in detail, um, it doesn't matter. It doesn't if you matter. made it, I've probably seen it. <laughs> there's so, there's an essay for anyone who cares. There's uh, if, if we're releasing this, I don't know what we're doing. But if um, 
the synchronized number three, I think it is, it's with the funeral parade of roses. Yeah. There's a thing in there where I go into some detail about the distinctions of the two eyes. I, I don't remember. Oh, really? Yeah, there was a, there was a great essay I found on that at one point that was just really just commentary on a translation from, um, I you can't say Egyptian text, <laughs> thing, but yeah, yeah, no, it's this it is this whole idea of Thoth as the other eye, and it was it, it uh, the lunar and the solar, uh, but anyway, yeah, COVID nineteen, and so the NBA cancels for the first time when this starts after the king lost his crown. Yeah, and uh, Kobe's like last tweet he sends uh, mentions the king, and um, uh, I, believe, Bill, I think it was yeah. Bill sent that to me. It's just what we're looking at is the fucking strain that uh, it's not just like we see the most externalized expression on the most base level as as hoarding of cash of money, you know, because that's the that's the other temple. You know, when they're like the temple's going to be the third temple's going to be destroyed. It's a temple to to wor- the worship of money, basically, of mammon, right? And so, but the emanated flow is a more etheric expression of that. It doesn't. It's not the same thing. They're not. They're they're. It's like Purush and Prakriti when they that makes that distinct from like Maya and Brahm, where you're like Brahm is the absolute, but because there's only the absolute, Maya is actually one with Brahm. But like Purush and Prakriti, spirit of matter and like the Tantra system are actually separate. And so this is a case where it's like. They're not. They don't actually meet. So you're looking. You're you're looking at a at a at a replica of something that is twisted in such a way that it restricts the flow. And so since they've like ritualized killing the challenger who would challenge the king over and over and over again cyclically, they've like they've allowed for so much fucking corruption to uh, to occur that what what otherwise would be a thriving kingdom by right it's the purpose of the jubilee is to release all the slaves and forgive all the dead right well that's what i want to talk to you about because that's it i feel like yeah watching this man this feels so you said if you right if you're not doing the ritual right it's what's if you I don't allow for sacrifice, it's the hangman. Right, they've literally they've designed the things so the sacrifice is so symbolic and it's so drenched in metaphor that I wonder if the magic's not working anymore. Like this is, I, I don't, I don't know. Again, I don't know if I want to release it. Was never really magic. It was, it was, it was synthesizing with what is already happening in nature. So as people who are absolutely in touch with the, not just the seasons as a concept, but they were like, they were in it, you know? And like, and we don't even know what ancient people's consciousness was really like. It wasn't recorded, you know? We can only infer and extrapolate. And that's the problem with organized religion when we're, when we're relating to something through this lens that we're it was through a scanner darkly, you know, we're, <laughs> I meant through a glass darkly. But yeah. So are you, okay, in your mind, are you saying that you don't think the players and by players i'm thinking you know trump and obama and just you know that sort of framework do you think they're aware of it everyone's aware of it on the on the right side but they they have to rationalize to different degrees because our goings-on are actually like not ultimately separate from the going from the what the emanated flow is actually it we're 
we only we have very limited like uh, real control. It's like Alan Moore would point out, you know, it's like the real fucking horror is realizing like how chaotic it actually is. It's like, what was the guy uh, with Syncbook Press? He wrote a book on the the hidden war and Freemasonry or whatever. What was that? Uh, where you can just you can go. People just have this notion with secret societies that there's like you know, this, like, everyone's on the same page somehow, simply because they use the same symbol sets. The fact that they use the same symbol sets doesn't mean that they're not at odds on all kinds of issues. And what motives, what is motivating them to do what they're doing in the first place, you know? People coming from I would agree with places. that. I would agree with that completely, yeah. I'm just yeah. wondering. It's a clusterfuck. And yeah. that translates into all kinds of things, like, all right, but, so but that doesn't negate well, hold, the fact that there's still so an just, underlying... I'm bring it back to, like, you mentioned the Jubilee. Yes, so do you think, I guess here's, you know, let me ask this more bluntly. I don't know if it matters, again, if intentionality, are, are they conscious of it or not? But I, guess, I do want to ask just your opinion. Do you think this concept of the sort of jubilee and, and all that, and maybe maybe you should explain that for listeners, but do you think that is an intentional as in conscious aware attempt at re you know going through the ritual going through the steps of the ritual or do you think this is synchronicity of like oh this is totally in line with what comes out of these these archetypes what what is a ritual like when when you're enacting a, a genuine ritual you're actually uh not just enacting but you're you're um I'd say synthesized, but you're, you're linking your, uh, it's not, if it's contrived, it's not working. You know what I mean? Like, like if you plant a seed and something grows, that's a ritual where you're interacting with nature and you're creating something through that. Now, like us, like what, what is the left-hand path? Like when people talk, like you'll read books talking about the fucking left-hand path, you know, but it's like, that's the status quo, dude. Like that's how we're oriented to to uh, to compartmentalize, to to break everything apart, you know, to analyze it, to get a sense of it, you know. Uh, but th- that has a that has a corollary that's primary to it that is actually like that's the top of a pyramid, but the base of it is is the place of of real power or strength. And so, you know, it, it there's an when you when you have a complete disregard for an, uh, the intelligence of natural processes in your goings on, you know, when it just becomes this, you know, theatrical imitation that's not, that has no, you know, real connection to the thing, then it begins to break apart. And so you, you're, you can't sustain that indefinitely. That's why I'm not worried. Like that idea of like, you know, that Orwellian like foot that's just stomping on the head of humanity for like ever. It's like, no, you can't, you can't, it has a, uh, you know, there was a professor, uh, somebody broke this down for me one time where he was looking at the cycles of genocide through time. And like when you have like large amounts of, you know, when you have big wars and things happening, you know, and, and he was like, there's actual patterns that exist that you can show the ex- almost exponential um, expression of that, but that each time it happens, it's shorter. So more people will die in a shorter length of time. And it like keeps doing this, but we're always at the edge. Like we don't just because something's been, we don't necessarily know, um, you know, what the ultimate outcome will be when things reach a certain crescendo, you know, in terms of our development. 
because obviously something's unevolved in us, you know, and so maybe it requires that 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 duality that we've been projecting on top of the polarity, like you know, um, fall fall apart, you know. So maybe that's what all this polarization is about, you know. Would you would you talk a little bit more about the jubilee specifically? Well, there's the grand jubilee. So every fifty years, they would re- release all servants, people in, in servitude, and then forgive all the debt. So, like in England now, they do like this is perfect to what I'm speaking about about the twist, the other name, or whatever. Because like in England, they have this j- grand jubilee thing that they do, where the queen comes out and this whole celebration. But it's bizarre as hell that they call it the jubilee when you're not. That's not happening. You're not doing the thing that the Jubilee was. Actually, 2010, the year we made contact, has the Diamond Jubilee uh, intro like uh, for MGM. So like when the MGM thing comes up, it says Diamond Jubilee. And I think it, I'd have to check this again, but I think it was the first film to do that. And it was, I couldn't I have to look you it know, up. Do you know why, right? Tell me. Do you know this? Look, so the um, in 2001 Space Odyssey, there's a... Um... There's a correlation between the prop they used for the Jubilee and what right. they're going to use as the monolith. So I saw it. I I touched it with um, Sonic. Cool. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. You know. You know. Just as well. Yeah. It took forever to find, dude, because it's it's at the um, it's at London Bridge. So you know there is that it's the ultimate joke for them to put it there. It's super symbolic because with London Bridge it was the scam, but it wasn't really a scam. It was just the this uh, um, uh, American industrialist who was uber rich wanted to fucking buy London Bridge. He wanted to buy that bridge, but that bridge uh, wasn't called London Bridge. And this dude thought it, thought he was buying that bridge, and he paid a shit ton of money for another bridge in England that was actually called London Bridge. So now you still call this one London Bridge, but it's a joke every time you say that on this guy. So like that movie falling down, you know, that's the heavy symbolism when you get into what what they're saying when they're saying London Bridge is falling down. It's a, it's American stupidity. It's a joke on on you know the industri- not just Americans, but that like industrialist mentality where you're like, I'll buy this. Oh well, whatever. I am not economically viable. Right. So it's a crystal monolith that's see through, and it has a crown impressed into it. And the queen unveiled it on uh, the Diamond Jubilee in 1977. And I told you this in text, but it was the it was the anniversary of the assassination of Robert Kennedy. And when Robert, after uh, the next place where Robert Kennedy was to go, after when that he was set on the schedule to go. Uh, before he was shot was to have dinner with Sharon Tate and Rowan Polanski. And it was uh, within, I think, uh, 10 days, maybe seven. I forget. I have to look it up again, but uh, to the release of Rosemary's Baby. And so Rosemary's Baby, we know, is the same length as 2001 Space Odyssey. Rosemary's Baby is a clephotic, same, it's the same fucking story, but you're looking, you're looking at the clephotic side of the, of the, the, the birth. So like, the 2001 Space Odyssey is all about the birth of the Star Child. It's the birth of the Messiah. Rosemary's Baby is the birth of the Antichrist. And so, and then it, it also you can relate it to Nietzsche's ideas around the Antichrist, as well as Carl Jung's, where he's like, even in the Red Book, when he talks about the Antichrist, where they're like mutually interdependent. Um, but uh, yeah, they're the same fucking length, dude. They both came out in 1968, which was the same year that construction started for the first uh, World Trade Center tower. 
which is also the same year that 911 became the police code, the, the code for an emergency for on the phone. So before You're mentioning people didn't dial 911. We're just going to do some of our rapid fire greatest hits here. I'm just tell you, um, I'll remind you that we mentioned bridges uh, in the opening sequence of Rosemary's Baby. Yes. Literally in the title sequence when it says Rosemary's Baby, that text comes up over a bridge. If it's a very specific bridge uh, that's called the Hellgate Bridge. Wasn't it didn't turn to Kennedy Bridge or something? What happened? Uh, no, so they, well, they renamed, no, no, it's, it's literally, it's parallel to, so I think the Hellgate carries, um, trains, like Amtrak trains, and then right next to it, what we parallel to it, is the Triborough Bridge, which takes all, like, uh, passenger cars and, you know, trucks and all that sort of shit, right? Mm-hmm. And that was renamed the RFK Bridge, yeah, so Robert Kennedy got that bridge named after him. There we go. So I guess uh, when we see that opening sequence, we're seeing both the Hellgate Bridge and probably in the same shot, we would be seeing the RFK Bridge. Yes. I have no problem with Greatest Hits, by the way. I'm all all about Greatest Hits. I like Greatest Hits albums. Some people put them down. I'm all about it. I feel like sometimes you and I start talking and it's like, oh, okay. uh, What did you you used to say? Uh, some shit from Pi, uh, restating assumptions. Restate my assumptions. Yeah. Nine fourteen. Restate assumptions. The universe is made of numbers. Yeah. Uh, which is true. We we used to speak in math. I the the, the weirdest thing when people are like, oh, this letter is correspondent to this number. No, the letter is the number. People were speaking in math. Sephiroth means etymologically numeration. That's why, like, when you're explaining the sephiroth, people think, like, spheres. It actually comes from the same etymological root as sapphire, interestingly enough. Baruch argued about yeah. that, and then I proved it to him. And he was like, what? But, yeah. Um, yeah. Have you spoken to him recently, by the way? I sent him a message when Bill messaged me. And then I sent Bill – not Bill, excuse me, Joe. I sent Joe uh, a copy-paste of what Baruch had responded with the Kobe thing. And so I immediately went, when I got the chance, I went and looked, tried to look up Kobe, uh, Kuf, Vav, Beit, Yud in the Hebrew dictionary, and it doesn't come up. And then the Israeli that he, that Joe was hanging out with was claiming it was a name for Jacob. And I looked it up online and somebody else had said that, but Baruch felt that it was, that the, that, that the name that they're looking for, which is really, um, a holy one who is to be blessed, uh, which is is would what people would refer to as Jacob actually ended with a hey and not a yud, so it's the same. It's kuf vav bait hey, right? And that's different. It's a different thing, and so it becomes questionable what we're looking at in Google Translate. So it's almost like Google Translate wants it to sink so bad. <laughs> and I'm like, if you, it's like, okay, I'm looking at an inaccuracy, but if you could even make the argument, including the inaccuracy, just based. On the fact that that Google says COVID equals Kobe, because it's like you're not there's no Dalit at the end. How is it COVID? I don't understand. It's not like sound like you'd say something could sound something out phonetically. Like I got in a, one of the collages I did it. It's it's Japanese for poltergeist, but it's sounded out. So like you're oh, it's really common. Like yes. oh, I see it says poltergeist, but it's not like it's saying it in Japanese, you know. But that's yeah. not true for this. So. Yeah, and it probably says something like poltergeist do or something, you know, uh, still ending on a 
Speaking of which, what's up with fucking Beetle Beetle guys? It's a great question. Yeah, um, I was wondering that just yesterday. Like that was such a everyone was hyping the Beetlejuice thing, and then yeah, Znor said something about it that raised an eyebrow. I can't remember what the deal was, but yes, it's like so Beetlejuice was uh, the the star itself was like dimming. It had like changed size and shape, so people thought maybe it was gonna like. You know, the star was going to go Nova or something like that. Um, it was definitely acting weird. Yeah. Is, is Sirius was... still centered, uh, censored on, on Google Sky and every program? Oh, yeah. I didn't know that was a thing, really. Well, obviously, you haven't seen my seven and a half hour long epic. Sorry, Cassandra, I misunderstood. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, it's in there. And I need to. I I was looking it up as regularly as I could because I'm like, are they ever gonna fucking change that? But it's like a big fucking like photoshopped out splotch that they just put over fucking Sirius A and B. And I remember when you could see them. Oh, uh, we've talked because like the yeah. Hubble fucking photograph. There, it's our closest star. Why is it blotched out? And it didn't used to be. Yeah, it'd be worth looking up. So what is that? It's the Google Sky program. Any of those. Any program where you're looking at the sky, because they all come from the same source, which is NASA. It's NASA doing it. It's not fucking Google. Well, I don't know. I had a Stellarium on my uh, on my computer, and that was I didn't have any experience anything like that. You could see the actual photography of it. I believe. So. I mean, who, I, who knows actually if it was real or generated? Yeah, if it's generated. I don't know, but that's like what you're looking at when you're, I believe when you're looking at Google sky, it's like Google earth, but just aim in the opposite direction. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. They just, just like literally uh, yesterday launched uh, 60 more satellites from uh, SpaceX. So it's like, um, I just think it's interesting. To, I don't know. It's all very interesting. I'm trying not to, I don't know, succumb to any kind of panic, but it's some weird shit going on, man. I just, I'm just remembering to get very tense about the whole thing. That's what I need to do. <laughs> well, so like earlier tonight, um, like we lost power. I saw that. You said that. Yeah. Okay. So it was like, just like five, ten minutes. But man, it was like, every thought that went through my mind of like, okay, this is the, this is the next step. This is like, of like, what do I need to do? This just got really real. Oh, did, did, I know at this time, it's crazy to have that happen. I thought, I thought about it earlier tonight before you even said that online. But uh, did you have, you didn't have power shut off. So that was a California thing. Yeah, I didn't have that. No, no. We had that. I had like uh, the last round. It was like six, seven days at a time without oh, any power. How do you how do you stuck your fridge? Your stuff goes bad if it's that perishable. Well, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I lost a lot of food. Yeah, but not as much as my housemates. But whatever. It's, yeah. Yeah. No, that's that was that actually becomes the least of it. Actually, well, not the least, but that's part of it. I mean, even, you know, like, through this, I'm like, you know, I, I, I went and I got some dry food, you know, but I, 
people are telling me about what it's like at fucking Safeway, and they're like, but I, I don't mean we don't. I want to talk sink, man. But at the same, like at the same time, shit's going on, you know. Um, I it, like, yeah, I, we could easily fucking drift off in the same conversations I've been having with everybody on on that level, you know. Um, sure. But the great thing about talking to you is I can talk about things that people be like, if I was trying to talk to them about, it, they'd be like, what the fuck? So not necessarily, but you know, uh, they wouldn't have the time or the energy to process that, that as much, you know. Um, but yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, I don't, I, I, I appreciate. It. I'm not trying to get caught up in some conversation like that. I just, <clears throat> it was honest. It was the reason why I like I reached out. I was just sort of like. I wasn't able to sleep after that. I was like, well, my, there still have a lot of adrenaline in my system. And oh, sure. Did you um, did you see any of the Nick Cave, the Bad Seeds, with um, uh, the tree? album Ghost Tree with Wicker Tree? I didn't. No, I, I'm, it sounds awesome. Is it Ghost Tree? I can't remember. But yeah, no, it's it's a it's like a Christian singer girl who's like goes off to the to the village, you know, and it just it but. It's funny because people would say if you like watch Midsummer, I don't know if you saw Midsummer, Sumar or whatever, but uh, if it, uh, the ending of that with the with the killing of the king and the whole thing playing playing out, but then uh, they say that oh that's inspired by the Wicker Tree or by excuse me by Wicker Man, but really it's way more inspired by Wicker Tree, or if it's not inspired by, it's just more resonant with it at least you know. Yeah. Because they flip, they flip the characters, and it seems like it's this weird thing. I'm like, is this like subliminal initiation in terms of like, like changing up the roles to indicate what's been happening? Because this is what I'm seeing every fucking ritual death. Like you go, you know, whether it's conscious or not, what the fuck it is, or both, I guess. Um, you know, there's definitely like the 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 consistency of the elements, the archetype. Like, did you know this thing? Like, if you go through John Lennon's life with every April 1st, there's, like, something related... Like, all the things that happened with his father happened on April 1st, anything related to his dad. And it's like... You go through his life, and it's like, April 1st always has these really, like, um, consistent significances. of uh, And and it's like he's, you know, playing, playing the fool on the hill or whatever. But it's like... You're like, how is this person like just embodying this? I had tickets to go see fucking Jim Carrey. I believe it's canceled. I'm sure it's canceled. Yeah. He was going to do this lecture, man, in San Francisco. I was was excited about it. But I was like, dude, if because at these lectures, if you raise your hand or you stand up, like right when he finishes, dude, you can fucking ask a question. And I was going to drop the thing of like, dude, your whole career. What is up with the fool? Like all, you know, remember that in the sinkhole, they'd always show the posters together, you know? So you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like uh, Ace Ventura, the way he's standing, the whole thing looks like Crowley's version of the fool. Uh, the yes man, where he's like standing with his arm out up in the air, it totally looks like the Rider Waite version of the fool, you know? Um, but then just everything, there's like so many, and like Ace in the first place, you're like, give me a break, dude. You know what I mean? <laughs> so um, I wanted to ask him about that. And I was gonna, I was like writing out like a whole like way to phrase this, you know, so I could do deliver it better than I'm delivering it right now, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know if I'm gonna get to do that. I also had tickets to see the uh, director of Eternal Sunshine and all of that stuff. What's his name? Um, or one of them? There's two. So there's uh, Spike Jones or um, not Spike Jones. Um, oh God, uh, 
Gondry, Michel Gondry. Perhaps also, um, yeah, he he did uh, uh, "Be Kind, Rewind." That's Michel Gondry. Yes, that's what I'm talking and, about. And uh, Sean Sunshine, director Michel Gondry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Science of Sleep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So he's that, di- he directed a bunch of uh, like Bjork music videos and shit years ago. Yeah. He did something with uh, God, uh, Beastie Boys and uh, Dave Chappelle. He's yeah, he's good. So uh, actually, what's interesting? I I there was a point where I was really into Gondry's work, and um, I so it's really funny. I had this scene in mind. Um, what's his name? Okay. I had a scene in mind. I wrote this in an old script of like being in a house, like being in this apartment where like the apartment's like on fire, but like it's not like this emergency. The apartment's just like on fire. And I'm pretty sure Schenectady, Schenectady, New York, yes, is directed by Charlie Kaufman, if I believe. It's like that sounds about right, yeah. Uh, let me see. But he was one of the writers for Eternal Sunshine. Is that so correct? yeah, Kaufman. Hold on, let me just make sure I get this right. Sinek, Sinek, Doki. Did you say Samek? Like Samek? New York. Synecdoche. Oh, Synecdoche. That's all you're Synecdoche. saying. Okay. Yeah. yeah, Charlie Kaufman wrote and directed. Okay, hmm. so check this out. So Charlie Kaufman wrote. Um, God, he wrote uh, Being John Malkovich. He wrote. Um, uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. He wrote Adaptation with Nicholas oh, Cage. Right. right, so he's, he had done all these sorts of things. And then Kaufman decides to direct Synecdoche, New York. So he writes and directs it. But who has he been working with? Is Spike Jones and Michel Gondry. So like yes. that, those are the directors he was most associated with. So he uses some of their tricks in his film. Like It's like you can see the inspiration there, right? So I'm um, watching Synecdoche, New York, and there's a scene where he's in this apartment that's always on fire. And I'm like, oh, my God, like, this is so weird. I'm watching this scene that, like, I envisioned very specifically. Like, it's it was just really – and I'm like, okay, well, it's, we're coming from a similar, like, visual inspiration. I'm visualizing and, that dog that's, like, that's, oh, like, totally. fine. Now, now that's a meme. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I put in the in that in that uh, iconic photo of the monk setting himself on fire, and I stuck mm-hmm. the dog in the middle of it, and it's like it's fine, mm-hmm. everything's fine. Um, well, just to say, uh, what was it? Oh, so when you've seen the film, uh, sorry to bother you. Yes. Oh, great film, right? So uh, I'm watching sorry to bother you, and there's an one of the opening scenes of that where like the desk collapses, like it's basically like cutting from one set to another, but it's done with this like physical prop. Anyways, this very specific thing. And I'm like, I'm watching it. And I'm like, man, this looks like Michel Gondry. And I'm like, did he direct this? Like I'm sitting in the theater and I'm like, well, I, I didn't know he did, you know, whatever. Like, it was just like, it felt like whatever. Uh-huh. Well, in the, there's a scene with the whole like horses and he watches the educational video, and there's, like, claymation and whatever, he puts in there, like, 
Gondry Farms or something like that. And I was and I found some interview with Boots Riley and he was like, Oh yeah, like basically I was super inspired by this guy's directing style. This is the first movie I directed and I wanted it to be like him. And so I put in this like reference because he's my favorite director. And um so it's just interesting to see like these other films where I'm like I see something like, oh my god, that looks like and it's like, oh right, this is someone who like is literally on the record of saying I'm inspired by this guy. So sorry, that was a bit of a ramble. Yeah, no, I, I had, I, I, yeah, uh, on relative same topic. Uh, I had tried to play Yoshini battles the pink robots mm-hmm. from the Flaming Lips with um, uh, the Science of Sleep. Okay. And I was like, why is this why do I feel like this is supposed to sink and it just wouldn't do the magic? I wasn't I wasn't impressed. But I was still like the energetic of it was so similar. And then it's and I did that with the giant hands, you know, because they have that whole thing where he comes out with the huge hands and I'm like, that's in, you know, science of sleep. Um yeah. Charlotte Gainsbourg actually I don't know if that was included. I got a letter to her. I don't know if you knew that. Um Did you get a response or no? No. I never get a response from anybody when I talk about fucking sync stuff. I can build the greatest rapport with somebody, and as soon as I go there, it's like, that's it. There's, when it comes to an actual pairing, even no matter how well I qualify, it's happened to me seven times now, where I've gotten in touch with an artist that I found a fucking uncanny sync with, and then I'm like, you know, and I tell them, I'm like, hey, you know what, this is online, if you want me to take it down, no problem, after talking, and it's always fucking, I get ghosted every time. doesn't matter how much back and forth we've had beforehand, but anyway... Um, I was trying to pair those and it wasn't working. And then I went and I paired it with fucking Eternal Sunshine and it flew off the fucking handle. If you if you put the volume up in between every vocal through the whole thing, you get a complete thought. It's like perfect fucking... Th- they got the sentence out <laughs> every time. It's so bizarre. And uh, then I went and took... I saw that um, At War with the Mystics, another uh, Flaming Lips album... I paired that with Science of Sleep, and I, I, I love that. It works. Um, but the, um, that one, I didn't include the volume only because it's in other languages. It's like a few different languages. But, uh, you know, I just love the subtitles. But anyway, I want to share that little tidbit. What was weird was, like, I didn't know when I did that that fucking Eternal Sunshine was the same director as the Science of Sleep. And that's when I, when I saw that that dude, I couldn't couldn't even remember his name, but I was like, wait, a minute, that's the same guy that I want to go see him speak. And so he was going to speak. And then at another event that I also got tickets to, Jim Carrey was going to speak. And so I'm bummed because I was like, either of those guys, I could I could ask the question in an audience and be like, hey, this thing happens, you know, curious your thoughts on it. Yeah. I'd like you to see that. I would love to. But I was really like, like, if you're an artist and you watch one of those and it does that thing, I'm like, wouldn't you be interested to see that? Like, I've got Blondie tickets. And I'm like, dude, fucking seeing Blondie, I wouldn't get it. There's no, like, question and answer at a Blondie concert. But I'm like, dude, right, right. fucking Blondie shit for days, dude. I fucking trip out on Atomic Blondie. You play Eat to the Beat, which has the song Atomic with the movie Atomic Blonde with Charlotte, mm-hmm. Charlie's Theron. That's a really good one. And then there's a song... About accidents never happen in a perfect world. Have you ever heard that? That's <laughs> it's a Blondie song about synchronicity. It's fucking beautiful. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, I, if, if they're not canceled, uh, I saw her, well, I guess I saw Blondie more years ago than I thought, but... Um, She's only gotten better, dude. Her, well, her yeah, more recent say, albums I, are so surprisingly good. Well, oh, I don't know. Uh, she put out an album two years ago? Three years ago? Which I got one, it. Or uh, the... Um, The, the trouble of women or something i can't remember yeah i just i don't remember i'm gonna i just remember being really excited and then really not liking it pollinate wasn't as great as some of her other more recent stuff uh the curse of blondie is amazing and that goes fucking amazingly with spun the movie spun and I cannot. Wa- I wanted you to watch that. Oh, it was okay. Sorry, I just, I just see what it was. It was what I was thinking of was Ghosts of Download, which is like it had. I guess it has some new songs. It was like a greatest hits plus some new songs or something. Uh, and I just I heard some new songs up there. No, listen to her other album, more recent albums. But uh, every I'm sorry, dude. But every time I watch a fucking Jason Schwartzman movie, I'm watching a fucking Alan Abadessa Green movie. Oh yeah, I know. Every fucking time, I can't help it. I'm just like I'm looking at Alan, like you know. I mean, it's different, but the same, you know. But it's like there's some weird resonance there that you got with Jason Schwartzman. You may like it or you may not, but oh man, did I tell you? I don't know if I've told you the story. So, um, all right, I um, a few years ago when I first got to Richmond, I was dating this like this girl. I was like barely kind of dating yet, and um, you know we were just whatever just a few weeks thing, and. Um, I knew her roommate really well, and her roommate and I worked together, and the roommate kept saying, oh, man, you look so much like Jason Schwartz and Jason Schwartz, right? So then um, this is, uh, I end up going back to this their house, and she makes some sort of comment. I mean, we had seen each other for a few weeks, and I just remember, like, she kind of, she jumped in the shower, and she would kept saying, like, oh, I really want you to watch this show called, I don't know what it was called, Stone... But basically, it had like Ted Danson, Jason Schwartzman, and like Zach Galifianakis or something. Um, it was some TV show, and she's like, "Oh, you've never seen it? It's really funny." And Jason was it Baskets? Schwartzman, no, no, he's not in Baskets. Never mind. I don't know. Anyway, go on. Um, point is, she makes me watch this TV show. What well, and um. Sorry, let's just see what it is. Television Bored to Death. It's called Bored to Death. Um and she goes, here, you know, watch this, watch this TV show. I'm jumping in the shower. Okay, cool. It has apparently that the whole movie, the whole TV show takes place in Manhattan and Brooklyn. But in this particular episode that she puts on they talk about going to this spa and it is something that they it's like this spa is the weirdest thing so we're like two blocks from the house that i grew up in as a small child 
I used to they were like these like abandoned factories that I would go play in, and um, I mean I spent a lot of time playing in these fucking alleyways and like grounds of like abandoned factories, and um, I got very specific. Anyway, they at some point this I, I think it's a Korean company basically buys out a bunch of land. And puts this giant building that's all just like this, like luxury, ultra luxury spa. But they built it in this like poor ass fucking neighborhood. So they just bought the real estate really cheap, and built this giant luxury spa where people take fucking limousines and shit too. Mm-hmm. Like this is like around the corner from my mom's house, which is like a shitty neighborhood. So like, in this shitty neighborhood, and then suddenly you have like these like weird like ropes and like limousines going into this place for people to get like hundreds of dollar fucking whatever it's insanity so in the show they're like oh you're you're stressed let's go to this spa that opened and then literally like i'm like this is weird and I'm like well this is probably just a set okay but that's still weird like jason there's jason schwartzman like you know in this place that's like basically where i grew up and then they like he gets there's some like zaniness ensues motherfucker like goes out into like the alleyway like goes out the side entrance like the servant's entrance or whatever mm-hmm. and i'm like it is this alleyway that i played in like and it's like there's no disputing that was i know for a fact that was shot on location because i have like i know every corner of that alleyway and i'm like that's fucking crazy why do you tell me to watch this one episode and i watch this episode and it has him in a place where i grew up like that's crazy to me. Yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, the idea of, like, I'm not saying you're the reincarnation because you're both alive at the same time, but <laughs> right. the ways it's, that souls work in, mm-hmm. uh, in Jewish mysticism, the old text, it's super fucking psychedelic. Like, it's like people can share souls. Souls can transmigrate. You build souls. There's different levels to souls. There's different t- types of souls. And like, I'm like, it's like this, it's this bizarre, the way that everything is related to, I'm like, I'm like seeing some, uh, I don't even know how to explain that, but it's like where there's this describing in a certain order to things, but the order is not like, um, uh, as linear as people generally, like I'm the reincarnation of fucking Joan of Arc. Oh, you're probably fucking Joe Schmo or whatever, you know? But it's like, right. it doesn't work like that. It's like, it's, and I relate that with the archetypes, like things come up and through different, different beings. It's like, and it also works in a strange cyclical way, you know, but when you feel a strong resonance, you know, with somebody and everyone else can see it, it just happens to be, a oh, yeah. forefront. we weren't, we were only been able to record ourselves like really recently, you know, first, first person on record of fucking turning a record backwards was Alistair Crowley. That wasn't that long ago. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's really, it's really, really fascinating. Um, yeah, you know, a- you know the the first thing we fucking re- recorded when we were able to photograph was uh, any sex related. The majority, I mean, of oh, like sure. we can photograph. Oh, let's take pictures of sex, and then. Uh, but what's weird is like when we first had the printing press. Once we were able to print, <laughs> we the first thing. The first thing we printed was all the religious texts. 
We even printed the esoteric religious texts before we printed other things. What does that say about sublimation? Well, I think it speaks to the, the different senses or like... So reading a book is done through the visual sense, obviously, but to say... I don't know how I want to word this, but I think the word, the logos, lends itself to this spiritual sort of higher, even academic or whatever, but the like raw visual stimulus that the image is is straight in, it's straight like. Right. Paintings where it didn't happen. (laughs) Right, right. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, uh, when you look at like the progression of what human beings are and like, we're going to put everything into the most like spiritual, most sublimated place we can find to like, that's our priority. Priorities say a lot. Like the first things we do when we can do things. It's like when you're moving, which I just did and you're looking at all your stuff and you're like prioritizing what you want to move first, you know? It's like you this is gonna be placed here, this is gonna be here, you know. But like we uh <laughs> we uh th- we do things in the order of how we're oriented at the time, you know. And so we're like going religious and then we like as soon as we're able to film, we're like, let's film people fucking perfect. <laughs> what else are we gonna do with this? Well, what are we gonna do with writing? We're gonna go into the most, you know, etheric place of that, you know, that we can. So it says something about, you know, uh, the continuum in, in ecstasy, you know, which says a lot for like lust and strength, too. Well, yeah, um, even think about like the, you know, the Internet. I think about what 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 are we filling? Right. Okay. Like we have the the capacity for this whole new medium, and what are we filling it with? Exactly. And um, they say we only use like ten percent of the internet, and we use ten percent of our brains. Right. And we're still just thinking about fucking. Ten <laughs> percent of my brain is thinking about fucking. The other ninety yeah, yeah. percent isn't yep. doing anything. Yeah, which is which on a certain level, you're like, well, at least that's creation because you build something. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's like there's the difference between making something and creating something. And then that's where the Gollum thing gets really interesting. Because if you want to relate to, you know, the computer as something that we build in our image, which like even me just saying there that like 10% of our brains, 10% of the Internet, you know, and we have this kind of collective hive thing and we're all connected and we're like, and we trip out when we look at things like this. The, what is the real mindfuck of the Golden Bough? People would say the most controversial part of the Golden Bough is the cha- the sections that were removed from the Catholic Church that were only in the first editions, but were have been included in the mo- more way more recent editions about Jesus. So Christianity and its pagan right. roots. And so that was super controversial at the time. But the real mindfuck of the Golden Bough is how in the shit did they have such similar rituals all around the world? You're looking yeah. at different places and you're like, wait a minute, these, you know, I mean, yeah, okay, people were in contact to higher degrees than we acknowledge. But I I believe that you can you can speak to the validity or the authenticity of what was being pointed to in the rituals by their consistency, you know, um, for, for things to be that um, correspondent. 
And that's why, is it any wonder when you get deep in, enough into, into multiple uh, mystery schools, how you're like, these people are all using the same symbol sets, you know? And that's what gives people the feeling that everyone's on the same page, when the truth is, is just because they're using the, the symbol sets doesn't mean that they're, um, you know, uh, all, all coordinating in this very, like, you know, as... as <laughs> uh, accurate a way as, as people might like to, you know, it's where you seek solace in conspiracy theory and, and it becomes a backdoor to like the same way that people speak, seek solace through like avoiding conspiracy theory. Cause if everything's under control as fucked up as you might be, you know, like it's kind of a, a strange indulgence to entertain um, levels of, of, um, of influence by, you know, different groups and things, you know, because you're like, oh, they're doing this. Look what they're doing now. But there's always that line like Scott Onstott described where you're like, you know, when you go through his presentation and you're like, okay, we're looking at sites. Okay. Take the measurement. Okay. And these things line up in this way. And you're like, okay, Freemasons, you know, okay. Whoever it was, the architects are doing things in this particular way and you follow it along. But it gets to the point where he's fucking measuring the continents. And mm -hmm. those are natural formations, dog. How are you doing that? And then he's like, well, where, where's the line? Is it just where it's like in the sand? But you're like, where's the point at which this ends and that begins? And then you're like, so the two meet at the same time. It's how I, I have to explain like my more profound like sync films. Because I'm like, how does this do this with that? Like, is But my, my sense of it is that, yes, there's intention in certain cases. But because of the, um, you know, the intelligence in the dynamics of the fucking vacuum of nature, the two meet. And so you're able to do things not as mechanical as one might assume. Like if you're going to go and tweak things to be whatever after the fact, that's one thing. But like the overall, like when, when you have any intention towards something, you can, you can, um, you can allow the, the, the natural intelligence, you know, the, of the organism to, to do its thing and kind of meet it. And so it's like these, this, this um, uh, continuum of, um, of one, then that, that's why I would relate it to like, you know, the hemispheres of the brain that you have one side compartmentalizing and the other side, you know, having the intuition and the two actually meet, but they don't meet the way that you want them to meet. They meet on another level and that's the undercurrent and that's, that's difficult to get to. And I believe I, my sense is like, that's like when you look at Jungian psychology, like what some of the aims are in terms of individuation, I take it as like, basically like, like allowing that to, to kind of like do its thing. And like, we're repressing that like a lot of the time, like, because it makes us uncomfortable when things align to certain degrees, like course, you know, other, yeah. other people get excited by it so like for you like you're just putting put your film together or something that you're like you started out and you're like this is something that's been fucking driving me crazy for years here let me share it with you you know like w like why is it like why what, what is the the pull towards that when other people might rep might avoid that so like for you you're like the moth into the candle flame whereas like some people are like you know oh I don't, I don't want to go there the full depth, you know, like, and I mean, e even like us, like we're still not going to full depth because we got lives and things we have to do, you know, but it still works itself out there too. Yeah, oddly enough. Yeah, it's like yeah. when you look at your phone and you're like, the president's getting impeached and then you're like Simba the fucking lion. Yeah.
Yeah, I mean that like I I'm, that's that's for me, right? That's a personal, very personal synchronicity. That's a personal synchronicity. When I'm when I'm taking Donald Glover, Childish Gambino's most recent album, Awaken My Love, and I'm pairing it with The Lion King, where he in the new one where he's the voice of Simba and it does his thing, that's not personal. Like that is just there is this connection. This is what it is. And that's one of the things I like about that is that because if you try if if you're trying to explain synchronicity to somebody, it's difficult sometimes if you're using like what would be these personal, um, you know, uh, relationships that you have to know all the context for. And how do you convey the depth of the context of a personal experience for why something adds up to equal this? Because you're like, a plus oh, that's why it took me fucking three four months to write this script i kept like writing and rewriting it because it was what it was like how much context do i have to give right it's always a question because every time you're like this like something you want to present you're like this would be taken as a tangent if you bear with me it'll tie back around the attention span of people is is like less than a goldfish and that's not an insult it's just a scientific fact at this point you know um and so you're like well how do i get people so my idea with Sorry Cassandra was that I would just do a film with tangents that that I just was like, well, what if it was just ex- what if I just assumed the highest intelligence of connection from the viewer? What if I just assumed that somebody could just follow something through, and so I can tie it back fucking hours later, like we do in some always record conversations where we start out with something and then fucking we could have a four hour conversation and then something. brings it all back around what may have appeared as a tangent as you're going along you know but you have to you have to it's a it's actually a type of of faith where when you approach something you're like you know it's like um i used to think that about david lynch movies that i was like you could just go drive yourself crazy because it doesn't actually tie back around so he'll do something that's just so uncanny and so unreconcilable and now i gotta say dude i don't know if you saw that fucking five hour twin peaks analysis film but I, I watched all of it, dude, and that shit was legit. I was like, a lot of this stuff actually does do the thing that I'm talking about. I just didn't have the faith to t- to assume that he went to that much trouble, you know, right. or had that much enthusiasm behind what he was doing to take it to that level. And I'm like, oh, this actually does all fucking fit. That's fucking brilliant. But it's that it makes people really uncomfortable when you bring them sometimes for some people. It's different times where you take them to a place where things you're like, where are you going with this? What, why? Why am I looking at this? What is the point of this? And then when you, but if you don't, if you just relax into it, things come back around. You're like, oh shit. But you will never have that insight if you're, you know, unless if you're willing to go that far. That's why, like, you know, I'm, I'm not, I, I'm, I have kind of my own aversion, but for my own rationalization or whatever, like, like to uh, present things in a very contextualized way, like you're able, like you do, you know. I'm able to do that, but I'm, 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 I want people to uh, see something for themselves. I want them to make connections for themselves. I want those aha moments to be their own aha moments and just make it as obvious as possible so that they'll have that, you know. Um, and it's a tough one because you're like, well, which, which direction do you want to approach this from? And it's, it's uh, it, yeah, do I want to contextualize it or do I want to just let it speak for itself, you know? Sure. I think, you know, there are different, like there are different times, different answers for different cases, obviously. And, um, it's not even, it's not even like an objective 
always this or that, but to say like, um, I, I wasn't sure, like making this video, and you know, there's a sort of tonal shift between the first and second episodes are very much like, hey, I'm this like objective filmmaker, not related to the content, right? Like, hey, I'm just talking about these other things that we all experience as media or whatever. And then in this one, I couldn't figure out how to talk about it without making it somewhat personal. Yeah. Um, but it's per- it's not just personal, it's personable. Mm, mm. So good, like, good, good. Yeah. You're like, you're, you're talking to the person like you talk to them if they're in the room, you know? That's what I got from it. Well, yeah. But I just people mean, do like, narration. It's not always like that. Right. And I mean, even that, I appreciate that. I'm glad to hear that works or it connects in that way. I just, I guess I meant to like even, um, to like literally like use instead of like using the word I. Right. You know, yeah. When I wrote on a I, board for fucking five months at a time, I would avoid writing I. And it's an interesting practice to just remove that. When you're communicating, you know. Yeah, so it's like, uh, you know, the first two episodes, it's like, hey, we're just, I'm just this, like, disembodied voice talking about objective information just as best as I can. Um, but in this one, it's like, I saw this thing, and I don't know anyone else who cares about it. <laughs> All right. What's, what's, one of the, what's one of the possible... Uh, not ultimate tangents, but what's one of the things that you want that you're considering including that you that you consider more significant that you didn't? Well, I'm really happy. I had to cut all the uh, basketball stuff, and I'm really happy that Joe's covering that. Because, mm. like, I literally had a whole other thing about that. Um, I'm a little upset that I didn't. You know, I would like to. Uh, just you know, maybe I can just do this here. Even it's just like the the whole idea of the circle of life. I mean, that song that's playing yes. is literally the the um, wheel of fortune. It is um, specifically this rota fortune um, four stage circle that is depicted in a lot of um, European medieval philosophy. Of the king, literally, it's a king who reigns, and then the isn't king... it knights of the round table? Well, sure, 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 but I'm talking about something else. Um, um, let's show you real quick, but uh, um, I found Catherine wheel, yeah, essentially, essentially, that is another uh variation on it. Um, remind me the Catherine, um. Here. The Wheel of Fortune from the Burana Codex, the figures are labeled Regno, Regnavi, Sum Sine Regno, Regnabdo. Which what are you means... talking about? You're talking about the Arcana? Mm. Wheel of Fortune? The card? Okay, I'm just going to send it to you. Miss Rajas Thomas and Sattva on the, on the wheel? Um... Are you talking about tarot, or what are you, what are you talking about? I, I mean, it's the same archetype. That's where it comes it's from. Not, it's not specific, but there is a, as I'm saying, this is okay. used throughout medieval philosophy. 
So the Wheel of Fortune in Tarot, or the Catherine Wheel, was a wider used uh, thing. Oh, I see it. Thank you. Okay. You see there's these four stages of the king at the top of the Wheel of Fortune. And on the right side, he's falling off. On the bottom, so it's literally... It's funny that it's three in Crowley's deck. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I reign, I reigned, my reign is finished, I shall reign. Right. I mean, so this cycle of the king is something that I really want to talk about. Um, but it's a, it's a whole other tangent that I would like... Yeah, you're at, to answer your question, like, what what would I like to cover... Yeah, I feel like this aspect of it. So there's the masculine aspect of this king kill. There is uh, the feminine aspect of it is always represented by this wheel, and that's for, goes as far as like Will and Kate, like the Catherine wheel. Right. Um, just it's just everywhere. Um, it's all over fucking nine eleven. It's all over all this sort of stuff. Anyway, uh. This particular thing is something I would have liked to have given a little more attention to. Oh, so what I found, I was in an art museum just a few months ago, and I found this um, depiction of, let me see if I can find it. Um, it says, The Cycle of Life. Dekenga, a Congo symbol. This large gallery has been arranged according to Dekenga, the Congo culture's sign for the life cycle and associated beliefs illustrated below. So it has a four-stage wheel that starts with ascendancy, maturity, responsibility, and north. West is setting, handing on death transformation. Um... Midnight existence in the other world, eventual rebirth is south, and east is rising, the beginning of a person in the community. And there's a few other things that are here and just all this sort of stuff, but there's like a whole chart I found in a thing basically saying, it's interesting because they have the, their cycle goes uh, north, west, south, east, so basically counterclockwise, mm. and the European Rota Fortune is going clockwise, right? Same, still four stages, but going to the right, and the African version is going to the left. Really? But I found an African philosophy that exactly aligns with this, and what is, you know, the song is, what are we fucking, uh, the circle of life is, I don't know, it just feels poignant in some way. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's an understatement, but you get me. I get you. Um, um, you you ever seen you ever seen the video where somebody shows you it's just some person made this, but it's like uh where they show you the Lion King in like three minutes? No, I don't think so. It just shows you the simplicity of the plot. And so when I was making that video with Donald Glover and fucking the Lion King with the old Lion King with the actor from the new one. I put uh I wanted to put that at the beginning because I'm like, well, it doesn't matter when the last time you saw the Lion King is because you can watch this movie with no sound and follow it like nothing like it's a mm-hmm. snap. It's just so basic. So basic. Um 
And what was the thing? It came from a, a Japanese movie? The White Lion or whatever? Oh, yeah, Kimba. Kimba, that's right. Kimba, I think it's called. Have you, you've seen that? Um, parts of it. You saw the parts when people do the cross comparison? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've never watched the whole movie. Yeah. I don't know. There might be something there. That's the, that's the thing with these things is that every little part, you're like, well, I could watch. I only have so much fucking time. Oh, I mean, that's so it's funny. I literally, I was going, man, I, this episode I just released was 33 minutes long. I have cut so much shit out. I mean, I have pages and pages of script that are just like gone. And ultimately, I'm like, I feel good. It's like, you know what? Everything with this subject has been sort of like a false start or whatever. I think it was really important for me to be able to like get a finished thought out. So it was like everything that was not, not essential. I just started cutting. Um, And yeah, but I I have, so it's interesting just how my, my working habits have changed. So years ago when I was like at the height of my productivity, everything was just like kind of like on the fly, just like outpouring. And now I don't have that ability to just like sit down and write. I I just I don't I, I'm not and I'm not in that, that discipline and not in that headspace. Uh, specifically writing, specifically writing, and so for this uh, series, this 2020 series, I mean, I thought about it for months and months and months, and then I very carefully tried to outline everything I wanted to say and figured out okay, that'll take me five episodes to do it, and this episode is this, and this whatever, and I have index cards and notes and like I'm really like for myself strangely organized and then when I sat down to try and write a script based on okay this episode I've got 20 index cards and like I had to end up going down like well here's like three index cards and everything else is just like sorry we're not going to cover that in this one but I figured rather than how do you say um in the past, I would have been like, well, today we'll start here and I'll come back to that other stuff. But I wanted to be like, you know, I don't know if I want to spend the rest of my life talking about fucking Obama as the Lion King. I kind of want to, like, get the full thought out for once. I always feel like right. I start to talk about it and then it gets distracted or it's something that's going to have another episode. I'm like, just let's try and get as much into this one thing as I can so that. It's it's just all self-contained, and you don't need to f- a five-part thing for this one subject. How much can I boil it down to? I, I don't. I know I wasn't totally successful, and I had to sort of admit that in the episode of being like, "Hey, there's more content on a website or whatever." But I, I think I think it worked. I have this, the same thing you have with that correspondence dinner I have with fucking Hal Craig and the two biggest mm-hmm. fires in the U.S., the hotel fires in the U.S. Like, that shit, like, I've been wanting to put that together and just, like, like, because that's, like, the thing that led me there in the first place was was the um, the visitors with the visitor. And that's, like, uh, Mark LeClaire to thank and Alex Folden 
you know, uh, for, for it, it, that album came out fucking like eight days before I was born. It's the last thing ABBA ever did. And I'm, I'm, yeah, I, I've given you the walkthrough. You're familiar. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's insane. It's, it's M- March uh, 9th and March 11th, 1977. Uh, the, the two Hal Craig films produced airport 77 and, um, uh, the message. So there's the the um, siege on Washington over the release of the message because they're afraid it showed the image of Muhammad and the hostages were taken, like a hundred hostages or some shit. And then the siege lasts for three days and it's book and the beginning of the siege is bookended on both sides with the release of the fucking Hal Craig films. One about a plane hijacking and one about Islam. And then in the mid, the, so I was tripping on that in the first place. That may have been the last time you heard me going off about this. I'm like, what's the fuck with this Hal Craig guy, which I came to through Waterloo because he's a writer of, of, um, of Waterloo and then Waterloo and Waterloo, uh, the ABBA thing. But then like, I'm like, okay, looking at this shit and I'm like, well, what happened on the 10th out of curiosity? Cause I'm like, this is bookending a date. Anything significant happened on this date? The thing that came up was the fucking biggest uh, bomb threat in rock and roll history happened in Australia when uh, ABBA was, it was an ABBA concert that got canceled over this fucking bomb threat in this giant fucking stadium. And it was like, I'm like, dude, that's the 10th. So it's like the 9th and the 11th and it's in the middle. Like in that part of it, I was already mind fucked and I didn't know that it's, <laughs> it's bookending a fucking bomb threat with ABBA. I'm like that's weird. But yeah, Hal Craig. Who is Hal Craig? Very bizarre. <laughs> Has a twin brother named Dick, just like Mad Men. <laughs>